podcast from clearandopen.com. Dedicated to the evolution of you, because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be. Helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. When people disappoint you, it's not a surprise. It's sort of like, a, oh, like, you know, you know, sometimes like when you're driving and you get lost, you can get like frustrated and upset that you're lost. Or you can just be like, oh, I guess that was the wrong road. Let's try this one. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. In the last episode, I shared a story to illustrate how we fall into the trap of disappointment and how we ultimately can start managing disappointment. So recap, here are the four steps to doing so. Notice the disappointment, step one. Step two, notice the resistance to disappointment that is inevitably within us. Step three, accept the disappointment as being part of life. And step four, operate inside of the parameters that you have. Today, I'll delve deeper into this process, as well as the internal needs and fantasies that can inhibit our ability to go through it. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Curious why you decided not to uh, endorse his uh, concealed carry permit. That was a that's a that was a moral decision you navigated. What was involved in that? Well, that it did. He asked me before it was going to get sent to me, and I told him straight out that, well, I would think about it. I'd consider it. So okay. He took that as, yes. So you were honest. Oh, he took yeah. that as considering means I'll sign it. Yeah. So I, I would consider it. So next thing I know, it's in the mail. Literally four or five days later, in the mail. So. Uh, my reasoning behind not signing it is so he has this and, and I've known this for a while and, and I built him to be like this perfect person because of the, the disappointment lately, but he has this anxiety around people. Uh, he's Most been invited to do. our house. What's that? Most racists do. I mean, that's the root of it is fear. Okay. So like coming over to our house for a party. Now, mind you, we share a common fence and, you know, gate going through still we kept as you know, he had it up, but he would come for 10 minutes and just vanish. So we got talking to his wife, well, what's going on? Well, he has an anxiety around a group of people. So, and he was going to counseling for it. I didn't know what kind of counseling he was getting. I didn't know his, I didn't truly know his character. This, you know, this was a few years ago. So in my judgment, by that anxiety, I didn't know if it was appropriate for me to, to fill that out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, I didn't know, is he getting this because he has this anxiety? He has this new counselor. Is this new counselor telling him he has to deal with it and he can't deal with it? Or, yeah. and is this going to result in something not good? 
Yeah, in other words, like, is he mentally ill? Right, so I questioned that. But I really had no reason to question it because he was going to counseling for that issue. We all have our own issues. Yes. And I had no reason to 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 see a different character than what I pictured him. You know, I, I had no reason to, but there was a gut feeling saying I should not okay. fill that out. Yeah, really interesting moral dilemma. But he still got it. Well, sure. He knows enough people and how many signatures does he need, right? Right. Do I think he would ever do anything? No. But that comment about the dog just, it makes me question more. Yeah. It's a really interesting part of the, how we've interpreted the Second Amendment that um, you got to sort of vote. You got to vote on whether you, know, you should have that concealed carry permit. So what do you think you're going to do? I have to confront him. About what in particular? About his comments. And, and I know it's past the fact. I mean, we're 10 days later on that whole bullet to the dog. I'm not comfortable with him saying that in front of my kids. Okay. Now, his kids and my kids hang out every day. They're always swimming in our pool, you know, just... But I, I'm not comfortable with comments like that. Okay. So I have to confront him about it. And it, what's weighing in my head is... Do I wait till the next time? Or do I say, I've been stewing on this for 10 days now? You know, and then, I mean, because I thought about it for a while. And then just a few days ago, the comment came out about, you know, when was the last time you went to Lake George? So, uh, so it's just more and more coming out that I'm like, and I don't know why I shy away. I'm not the kind of person to shy away, but I, I shied away from him. I was going to say, you normally are very verbal. Like, I am, but I, I was so shocked. The disappointment, you put it perfect. It was disappointment because I thought I knew this person. Yeah, and, and this person um, carries a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he's your neighbor. And like, even though my neighbor ha- is on 13 acres and thousands of feet away, when we're in conflict and it's happened a few times in small ways, uh, it's gross. I hate it. Like, I feel constantly in a knot and it's not nice. So it's understandable to, to want to avoid it. What I would say in, in peer confrontations, because he's a peer, not an authority or not someone who reports to you, is do your best to come from a place of confession. Like, hey man, I gotta, I gotta confess something to you. I've been stewing for 10 days about something that you said. I've been having a really difficult time with it. So it's coming, that's, that's one of the ways to find vulnerability where you have a, a feeling that you're sharing something intimate. If you start from that place, you'll undermine the very easy tendency we all have to attack people or to make him wrong. You know, so, you know, you're, you're coming from a, I really have a preference that when my kids are around you, that you not talk this way. When my kids are not around, you can talk however you want, obviously. I'm not, not questioning your character or your morals here, but you know, our kids hang out with each other and you're going to be around them sometimes and this is what I'm requesting. Because if you go anywhere near defaming his character, questioning his character, his integrity, whatever, that's probably not going to go so well. And that, that's been my thought for several days. I mean, it's... You're just confirming it that uh-huh. that's the approach that I have to it, go. 
So you're coming from expressing a need rather than uh, expressing a judgment. That's the trick. Because the judgment comes first in us, right? That's the first thing. That's bad. This is bad. How you think is bad. I want you to stop. But then underneath that, we need to find the need. What's the need that we have that's not being fulfilled? And this is the case with any kind of disappointment. What's the need? What's the need that you had of this person that is causing the disappointment? You know, because when you understand that need and you can come from that place, you're not going to be coming from a judgy place. And even if that person can't meet that need, you may find that you'll be able to get that need met somewhere else. I recently, this is really, it's cool how this has come up because this has been a really hot topic for me recently. Two of my closest friends here, I recently hit a kind of limit with where I, I experienced the limits of their intelligence. And this, is, this is, happens to me all the time. I, I see people's capacity. One of my skills as a coach is I can see what people are capable of. Anyone in my position, you have to be able to see what they're capable of, even if they're not actually embodying it in the moment. And then you try to help them close that gap between who they are and who they could be. So when I form close relationships, my pattern has been unconsciously, I in part am relating to who they could be, who I see they could be, their capacity, not their reality. And I've gotten better about this, but it still happens to some degree because part of why I can do what I do well, I think, is because I can see people's capacity just as well as who they are now. But the shadow side of that is sometimes I confuse the two. And so I relate to people in terms of who they could be rather than who they are. That creates disappointment. That sets me up for disappointment, right? So this happened with two people I was having a conversation with, and I just saw they said some stuff where I was like, oh man, you know, mm-hmm. critical thinking flag is down, absence of critical thinking. 15 yards. And it was like, you know, uh, there was just nothing I could say. It was, it was a can do like a racist comment. It was something that was so dense that I saw like, wow, there's nothing I can say here. I just have to change the subject and swallow it. And one of the places I went with that is, okay, so who do I have in my life that I can have these kinds of critical thinking conversations where after I hang up the phone or after we part ways, I feel deeply nourished and fulfilled because I'm not going to get it from these two guys. It's a need, right? But if you focus on they're bad, they're not who I wanted them to be, yada, 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 and you don't follow that to the need, then you're going to be just pounding on the brick wall. And you're going to continue to try to squeeze blood from that stone instead of going, okay, well, I can't get X need met from this person. But I do get Y and Z needs met from these people. Where in my life can I do that? Take it somewhere else. Would it be nice for you to get all of your needs met in one person? Hell yeah. Have you ever had that experience? Do you know anyone who's ever had that experience? Right? And this, then this goes into our, our romantic fantasies, right? We have these romantic fantasies like one day I'll meet that special someone who will meet all of my needs all of the time and never disappoint me. Right? Yeah. And they'll be riding a unicorn. <laughs> That's just as likely. So 
the sooner you, you let go of that fantasy, the better off you're going to be. And it's not to dismiss the sadness because that's real too. It's just to see that the sadness is, um, is an artifact of the expectation. And then the beauty of it is when you relate to disappointment this way, then when people disappoint you, it's not a surprise. It's sort of like, a, oh, like, you know, you know, sometimes like when you're driving and you get lost, you can get like frustrated and upset that you're lost. Or you can just be like, oh, I guess that was the wrong road. Let's try this one. And it sort of depends on your mood or how late you are or whatever. It sort of depends. It's the same thing with disappointment. You can be like, oh, you know, it's a limit. You turn down a road, it's a dead end. You turn down a road, it puts you on a highway, go in the wrong direction. Whoops. Guess I'll have to find the next exit and turn around. I have a terrible sense of direction, so I learned the hard way to have a sense of humor about getting lost. Like, oh, I guess I'm getting lost again. Well, I shouldn't have gotten lost. Oh, really? Me, who has a worse sense of direction than anyone I know, I shouldn't get lost. Where'd you get that idea? Well, it should change. Well, it might never change. Do you actually care about having a bad sense of direction? Does it like, are you like a guide in the wilderness where it really like affects your job and, you know, your survival? No, I guess it doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. So why are you upset? Well, because I should be able to be good at everything. Uh huh. And do you know anyone like that? Just fantasy after fantasy after fantasy, you see? So when people disappoint you, it's just like, oh, that's a dead end. Or as they put on the signs, not a through street in order to avoid the word dead, which I think is really funny. Not a through street. Because dead end is so negative. (laughs) I guess to some people it is. But not a through street is quite a mouthful. You guys have that where you live? Signs that say not a through street? Um, Dead end. Yeah, Round Lake Road. Sometimes they say dead ends. In some towns where I grew up, there were very few dead ends. They were all not a through streets. I wish they would just say no exit as an homage to Jean-Paul Sartre, who wrote the book called No Exit. It's kind of existential. There's no escape. Or in Europe, when you, uh, the exit signs in Europe are, maybe you've seen them, they're, they're a picture of a guy running toward like an open door and there's an arrow. So it's just this like really cool action, action guy. Should be that with a line through it. No action guy running through the door. Then you wouldn't have to be able to read. Signs in Europe are way better that way. What else? Anything else on this subject? So, no, I, I just, thank you first off, mm-hmm. because it, it, it twisted the whole way that I was thinking of. I didn't think of it as a disappointment. I thought of it as me as a bad character reader. So, <laughs> uh, and that's what it, seriously for a few days now. And then on this six hour trip back here, just before I jumped on here, I'm thinking because and I told you time to time, I say, what would Joseph do? I think about it as a scenario happens. And this actually, it came to my head when this happened. Instantly, when it, not right then, but when I got home and I was like, wow, this is more than I can handle right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what would Joseph do? And then on the way back today, the six hour trip, I'm like, who the heck is Joseph? <laughs> why, why, why am I wondering what Joseph would do when uh-huh. I didn't even know you? So, I, I mean, I had it 
plan that I was going to say, all right, I know a little bit about you. You've been doing this coaching since or 2002, I think I read. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I get most out of you when you, you share your personal life experiences, uh, like the whole egg carton thing. I don't yeah, know. People like that story. That, but yeah. What's that? People like that. I got a good response from that egg, the egg counting story. Yeah. So like, I, I learn a lot from that. So, I mean, coming in today, I was like, you know, I want Joseph to tell me a little bit more about himself uh, before he did this coaching. What is his life experiences? Oh, I'll tell you, I was really disappointed uh, after one session and don't, don't get... Hey, okay. yeah, I'll disappoint you guys. I already have. Uh, do you remember the session when you said, I got bad news for you guys. You guys aren't managers. Uh-huh. I was disappointed. And then I left that and I said, what did he do where he was actually in the closest scenario to us that I could relate to in the next session to try to expand on it? And then I got thinking deeper and deeper about it. You were right. But that was... was, I learned more from you when you give life experiences. And that day you didn't. Okay. In another session, you asked uh, somebody what their dream was, uh-huh. and I and I constantly go away with, wait, Joseph never shared what his dream was. Mm. So I had a whole bunch of questions coming in today. Well, what is it that's your dream? I I know we're short sure. on time, and I I probably stole the show here, but I apologize. Hey, uh, you can't steal it. Everyone else can unmute themselves and talk, and they could say, "I don't want Bill to ask, ask that question. I have a more important question." They could try to do that. So yeah, that, that, those are the questions that I had. But right on. after you you phrased it with a disappointment, it changes. Like I don't have all of those questions. I would still like to know sure. more about you. Obviously. Well, first, first I would love to address the the um, the Joseph's voice in your head thing that probably many of you have experienced, yeah. and and also why you asked the question, "What would Joseph do?" That has actually very little to do with me, because. It's just a artifact of the relationship. And um, it's the same reason why people say, what would Jesus do? Which is kind of a funny sort of pun here on this, but it's the same thing. It's useful for all of us, and I do it too, to objectify our higher selves as someone else. So when you say, what would Joseph do? Because I'm, I have a teacher role for you, you know, in this moment in time these days. When you say, what would Joseph do? What you're really saying is, what's the best expression of myself that Joseph is a symbol for standing for? And what would he do? What would he or she do? Because at the end of the day, Joseph's not going to do it. You are. (laughs) But your your consciousness is reaching for a resource where, um, and it's a kind of meta moment. You could say you're reaching for meta. Because uh, I represent a kind of spaciousness and I try to, I, I represent different perspectives and getting out of your initial reactions. And so we all do that, whether it's what would Jesus do, what would Donald Trump do, what, what would Jesus do, whoever your hero, leader, authority figure is, father, mother, you know, whatever, we all do that. Um, so it's useful to know, it's useful to have. I have a name that, uh, a few different names in my head that, Including myself, because some I also have. Well, what would my own teaching say I do? Which is that's a that's a bear sometimes where I have a moral decision in front of me, and uh, and I want to take the easy route or whatever. And it's like, well, what would you do if your students knew you did that? And I go, oh, man, crap! I gotta 
I got to follow my own teachings here or else I'm a hypocrite. So I, that's why I said, I also ask, what would Joseph do? Because there's many versions of Joseph. And I'm happy to answer any personal questions that, that you want um, about me. I could talk for hours about myself. I generally try not to. Um, but I, I am learning with my, uh, my, uh, my, my marketing person is on me about sharing more personal stories like the egg story. And uh, that seems to be received well. Because there's certainly a part of me that uh, likes to lecture and tell people what's what. And I'm moving away from that because I'm finding it doesn't work nearly as well as storytelling. Who knew? I agree 100% with that. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.